This is episode number 63, Living in the Unknown, with Zoe Johnson. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohi, and this is the Overcoming Out Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a brief announcement and invite all of our listeners to our upcoming event, Where Do You Belong, in Austin, Texas, on June 15th. This is an event where you'll get a chance to hear from three speakers. Each one will be talking on the relationship they have with themselves, relationship they have with their community, and different ways they have found belonging within their own lives. In addition to hearing their stories, You'll also get a chance to connect with other people who have gone and are going through similar things that you are. For more information, please go to overcomingodds.today forward slash where do you belong. Now, let's get back to our guest. How do you navigate through the unknowing in life? She said, in most recent times this year, I was reunited with my biological father. For the very first time through a DNA test, I can't tell you how much anxiety and how much fear was involved with that process. Just the unknowing and is this what's right? Oftentimes the unknowing can be so scary. Uncertainty and dealing with the unknowing are circumstances we all must learn how to cope with. Without further ado, Please welcome Zoe Johnson. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Odds podcast. Today's guest is someone that I was introduced to through a mutual friend of ours. Her name is Michelle Madrid Branch. Her name is Zoe Johnson, and she's joining us all the way from Minnesota. Is that right? Yes. Wow. I used to live in Michigan, and now I live in Austin, Texas. And I, I certainly cannot, I do not regret making the decision that I have. And one of the biggest reasons that I'm sure you're laughing right now is the weather. As those who may not be familiar with that side of the country, it gets to about 20s, even below like oh, 10s. This year, um, we were luckily out of town in St. Thomas, but it got down to a wind chill of negative 50 degrees. Oh, boy. Five negative five zero yeah i can't even tell you what that feels like anymore to be honest with you yes um we're working on our plan my husband and i to get closer to texas (laughs) right now i don't want to divulge too much but that's amazing that's amazing (laughs) well thank you so much for being on the show first of all and you know the way that i wanted to start off this episode is with this question that I've been wondering for a little while now, and I was fortunate to have some conversations with other people as well. 
And the question is, what scares you the most in this world? And the way that I wanted to start this off is have you share on that particular question based on your own lived experience as far as what scares you the most in this world? Well, thank you, Oleg, for having me today. Um, and before I answer your question, I just want to say how thankful I am for the community that you've built um, through your podcast. And I know it started as a blog post, but um, mm -hmm. I've really been inspired by this podcast and I'm so honored to be here today. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, this question of being scared is actually a really hard one. Um, especially for somebody that deals with a little bit of anxiety uh, myself. I think, you know, daily tasks can be scary at times. But um, when I really think about what is the overall thing that I am afraid of or scared of, I think about making mistakes mm. um, and mistake, you know, just messing up <laughs> is what I guess I'm a little bit of a perfectionist in mm -hmm. that, um, you know, sometimes it's like, it's just easier not to try. Uh, but what I found that's helpful is actually just my spiritual upbringing, um, being raised in a Christian home or homes, several homes um, throughout my foster care journey. And um, one resounding theme of that has been um, one thing that's been constant in my life has been God. And so um, I was taught very young, um, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. It's actually um, a a verse from the Bible, Luke one thirteen. Mm -hmm. And so, when those daily things happen, you know whether it's oh, you know, am I gonna remember to put my clothes on the right way, not inside out, or if it's you know a bigger decision like a career change, um, when those decisions do come up, um, just taking a moment, taking a deep breath, and and just really um, saying a prayer, finding that place in your heart um, to just let it go and, and, and put it on God and help find that place that um, can be encouraging and, and saying a prayer and then knowing that it's going to be okay. Mm. I think the biggest thing about um, life is mistakes are going to happen. Mm -hmm. People are going to make mistakes and just knowing that that is just part of our all of our journeys mm -hmm. and to just remember you had um a gal on your podcast a, a few episodes ago her name was tanya tuck and mm -hmm. she said the mistake is when learning doesn't happen mm. <laughs> it's so, so true yeah isn't it um i just thought that was so great and um, it also reminds me of forget it enough to get over it, remember it enough so that it doesn't happen again. And so um, just uh, trying to just get over that fear. And I think a, a big, another thing um, when we're speaking of fear and being scared, I would say in most recent times this year, I was reunited with my biological father, mm -hmm. uh, him 15 months ago for the very first time through a DNA test. And I can't tell you how much anxiety and how much fear was involved with that process. Just the unknown and is this what's right? And uh, oftentimes the unknown can be so scary, uh, but really just using prayer in my life uh, 
at that time and you know just on a daily basis even now but especially that time um, I really needed to pray <laughs> just to be more comfortable with what was happening because um, for people who are adopted um, or for people who are adopted from birth or perhaps in my case where I never knew my father, I lived with my single mother, we, we get to make up what our parents are. And Oleg, I know you, you know, you you knew your parents, but mm -hmm. even now, you know, we can have this almost fantasy about what our parents are doing right now. Mm. Um, my mother actually passed away. And so sometimes I think about, okay, well, if my mom was still alive, uh, you know, maybe she could help me with my wedding, you know, when I got married 12 years ago, or if my mother was still alive, she could babysit my children or, you know, and the, and the same thing is true with parents that you've never met. Um, you know, you can really make up anything you want about them. So, um, you know, that fear of actually finding out who my biological father is and mm -hmm. seeing his life and, and, you know, answering those unknown questions of, who, you know, why, why did this happen? And, um, you know, it can be really scary. Oh, I bet. So just leaning on God and praying, I mean, it's just a resounding theme in my life where I've been able to say, okay, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, this, I might mess up, but I'm just going to lean into God and follow his will and, the situation will work out mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's really it's really been helpful especially in the last 15 months <laughs> oh i bet i it's in and at the end of the day just like you said it, it's all part of the process in, in uh, kind of embracing that we're not perfect and i think we're meant to make mistakes it's through the mistakes that we're able to find our greatest treasures and our unique abilities if you didn't make mistakes then i don't think you would ever be challenged and there, there's so many questions that come to mind from what you just said. The first one is that I was having a conversation a couple of days ago with a friend of mine who was also a guest on our show. Her name is Brooke White. And we were talking about how if you didn't have parents or if you had parents and then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but then you were given another set of parents, it's you, or at least in my case, I noticed myself living my life through my first set of parents. So every interaction that I had with a female role model, I used to always think of my mom. Mm -hmm. And I would analyze as far as the qualities that this person possessed that my mom didn't. So when you spoke about almost like recreating your set of parents, I think that's relatively normal. I think we create fictional characters that possess all of these quote unquote perfect elements that we wanted to see within that first person. And then somehow that allows us to, I think, gain closure and acceptance for who that real person was. Because then we're able to take a step back and say, well, this person was who they were, and this is my perfect image, which in most cases, it's not, it's just not possible to have. I mean, we're all born with imperfections. And we're all learning as we go, and parents are not any different. It's not like when you were born, your parents were given a manual and saying, 
here you go 15 steps to raise zoe to become x y and z in this world like that's just not a thing the the question that i have for you is you spoke a lot about fear and how that was made up within your own life i'm curious to know who were the influences or influences influencers or influences that played a big part in your life that maybe helped you shape this image that you know fear does exist in certain ways and then who are the people that changed that for you okay i would say um uh the influencers like my mother growing up um I remember I have memories of my mother being very loving. Um, my mother suffered from mental illness. And so um, there was a lot of fear of unknown and making m- mistakes, uh, like we talked about before, mm-hmm. just um, from seeing my mother living in her mental illness. Um, but at the same time, my mother was very loving. I remember you know, sitting on her lap in the evening before bed and her reading a story or, you know, doing those loving things too at the times when either she was on her medication or just in a healthy state of mind. Mm -hmm. So I remember feeling very loved by her. Um, Because of my mother's mental illness, she wasn't able to work. And so our family was part of several outreach programs, um, typically faith-based uh, faith-based programs where my mother would visit a church and they would help us, um, maybe provide us with a Thanksgiving dinner or, um, you know, Christmas presents. And as part of that, um, we would go to a Christmas service or we would participate in the church service year round if she was, um, you know, getting some type of help from, from those faith-based organizations. So that was a huge part of my development as far as dealing with fear, um, learning Mm -hmm. the tools to cope with the unknown and to cope with um, the turbulence in my life. Because I can tell you, Oleg, my very first memory is not of my mother. It's not of, you know, like I said earlier, the, the beautiful memories that I have with her, it's actually of being in an orphanage when I was three years old. Um, and although it's not the best memory to have. I do believe that God has placed the right people in my life at the right time, whether it was those outreach organizations or when um, Child Protective Services had to come and intervene because my mother was too t- sick to take care of her you know, three and five-year-old child at the time. Um, but I do think through through the orphanages and then um, the foster care system. I was in my first foster home from the age of three to four and a half. And um, I think seeing the stability in that home was helpful for me, although it wasn't a perfect mm-hmm. home. And there was certainly things that happened there that um, I, I wish I could forget. Uh, there, there was um, some stability there. And then, you know, moving back in with my mother later in my life, well, from five years and then nine to nine years when we had to go visit another foster home. Um, Just having those organizations that were surrounding my mother, that community uh, people that were willing to help her out and to help her kids out was really important to me um, and my sister, I think too. 
uh, from, you know, so it's different influences in different phases of my life, I could say. So early on in my life, when my mother was still alive and trying to take care of us and fighting for custody when we were being taken away, um, it, it was definitely my mother and then those outreach programs for the most part, we had some social workers to come into our lives that were helpful too. Uh, but I would say um, after my mother passed away, I um, I was a long-term foster care child to my aunt and uncle, so my mother's sister. And, um, and then her husband, who is Gary, <laughs> his name's Gary. And uh, he was, I, I just recently watched the movie Annie, <laughs> which, <laughs> I had watched it's a great film and I did it's a well I watched the old the old one with the cute redhead girl and the curly hair um but I never realized that Gary is kind of like my daddy warbucks (laughs) (laughs) people always used to call him that and I never got the reference until a few weeks ago (laughs) but um I think he was very helpful in you know, encouraging me to try new things, um, to be involved with sports and to, uh, you know, try hard at school and, uh, just a really good role model for me during that period of my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, depending on where I was, uh, in my life, um, and then, you know, through high school, I was able to make some really great friends, uh, and we would go to church camps together and, I don't know. It just, it's, it's developed in, you know, college clubs and mm-hmm. now uh, like a young adult church group. And um, now, you know, I have two young kids and so I'm pretty active with my kids and um, they go to a private school. And so there's a really neat faith-based community there too. So mm-hmm. we're, we're all here for each other. <laughs> so Amazing. yeah. I want to be able to take a step back and help those who have not had the experience of living in an orphanage like you and I have to help them better understand of what that may feel like. And the question that I have is, you know, you spoke about your early memory and that early memory was you being in an orphanage. Mm -hmm. Help us understand how that impacts your life right now. Yeah, you know, um, I guess I look at it. I try to look at it po- in a positive light, mm-hmm. uh, even though it is sad, even to myself, uh, who lived it, I kind of, I, I almost feel like I'm, I've separated myself from that. And, mm-hmm. and it's almost like watching a movie. When I think about those memories, it's like, I'm thinking about someone else. <laughs> uh, but I remember being just kind of confused and just almost like a number, like, <laughs> There were a lot of kids in my memories, which are very vague, but I just remember being in a room with a lot of other girls and, you know, everybody was kind of getting snow pants on or, you know, because it's always cold in Minnesota. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I remember getting, you know, just very, just little clips. And I remember um, as part of being in that orphanage, we would go out with a social worker and visit different families. So I do remember uh, the family that I ended up living with for a year after that. I remember hiding behind the couch when we visited them and um, the social worker kind of, you know, coaxing me out like, come here, Zoe, you know, how old are you? And I remember like holding up my fingers saying three and, you know, just, and everybody was being very kind and, um, but yeah, I don't remember a lot about 
my the orphanage just because I was I was so young mm-hmm. um, I just remember clips here and there of like groups of kids like whether we were being shipped on a bus or yeah I I really I feel like I'm talking about somebody else when I when I say it but um I do remember when I was nine years no 11 years old uh, we actually did have to go to a home in Minneapolis it's called St. Joseph's and uh, I do remember being very sad that I didn't have my mother with me because mm-hmm. we were taken away from child protective services at that time. Um, I remember feeling very sad, but I also remember, um, they had a lot of cool movies that we could watch and they, they were really trying to make it comfortable for us. Um, and that was more of a transitional home it, or I don't even know what you call a, a temporary shelter okay. uh, before they could find a, a temporary foster care home for us. So I was only there for about a night, I think one night. And it, it was nice because they really did went the extra mile to do things. Like I watched a movie that was geared toward 11 year olds and I mm. got to have popcorn and things that maybe I didn't have in my home because my home wasn't very uh-huh. stable when it came to, to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, usually we'd sit in front of a TV, but it, yeah, it wasn't. It was it was kind of fun. <laughs> that, That's that awesome. Time. That's good. But, um, yeah. Take us take us through. I'm curious to know as as kind of a second part of my question to what I had asked was, you spoke a little bit about your reunion and how there was a lot of un- unknown. Obviously, I can't relate, but I know that a lot of some of the listeners that are listening to this episode will be able to, and that is, I guess it's it might be similar to anything else where you go into a decision but you don't know the result in in your case i mean i'm sure there are a lot of things that you didn't know and i'm gonna let you speak for your own experience as far as what you might have been afraid of or what were the unknown factors within that what was all of that like and and what was the final outcome of that entire experience yeah well um when when I it was shocking at first so I took a DNA test many like a year or two ago and was just very satisfied knowing uh, my heritage through that Um, so finding out that I do have some um, some Irish heritage like freckles and reddish Mm -hmm. hair which nobody on my mother's side of the family has so (laughs) it really helped me that way but then um, a year after knowing all of that, all of a sudden I had this relative pop up that solved this mystery of who my actual father was. Um, and it was very exciting, but it was also very scary. And um, I, you know, I had heard things that my father suffered from addiction and uh, to the point where he was hardly able to take care of himself. Mm. And, um, you know, I think when you are in an adoptee or a foster child, you, like I said before, you can make up things. So I would, sometimes I would make up things about my father, like he was a war hero and he died, you know, fighting, uh, a war, you know, or I would, you know, if days where I wasn't feeling that great, I'd say, well, he was probably just a drug addict and he's probably dead, you know, and that was the way that I dealt like you said we cope with it or we we 
make it fit our storyline and mm-hmm. coping with someone who's not there. You know, you got to have some type of answer. So now being face to face with not only my father, but this whole family behind him and, and finally getting those answers was really exciting, but very scary at the same time. Um, and I was actually introduced to my aunts first, uh, who also live in Minnesota. And I get this question a lot, like, how far away were you from your dad? And it, we were actually really only 20, like anywhere from five minutes to 20 minutes away our entire life. But mm-hmm. the really fun part about meeting my family was fig- like figuring out where I got these eyes and where these freckles came from and, and just, and meeting um, some older female figures because I haven't really had that. My aunt passed away. My aunt that adopted me actually passed away. And so I haven't had, I've been the oldest living generation of my family for uh, like, I would say 12 years, 12 Mm. to 15 years. So to have like these older female figures that kind of look like me (laughs) and just, it was so exciting. I never thought I, in all of the imagining that I did back in the day, I never thought of, aunt or grandmother or you know I thought maybe a half sibling here or there which I don't right now I don't know about but who knows what the DNA will bring in the future but um but yeah so a lot of really good feelings and then um you know learning the answers to my questions which I don't want to go into detail here but um you know some of it was very hurtful but some of it was also really understandable and Mm -hmm. you know just using time and forgiveness. And I think even sometimes those truths that I've learned in the past year will creep up on me, but remembering just to let it go (laughs) and to, how do you, how do you not lose a sense of who you are once you do find out those answers? And the other thing that I'm curious as you talk through this is, you know, prior to you discovering your dad and that part of the family, I'm sure you had your own, your own truths, just like you said, you, you have to have some sort of answers. So you were probably, you probably thought of, well, here are the possible scenarios for X, Y, and Z. And then once you met them, you found out that some of those might've been slightly different. So how do you, how do you at that point, not just lose sense of, well, who am I? Mm -hmm. What are the truths that I'm curious to know? What are the truths that you stay true to? from that point on? Yeah, I think um, I've worked, I've been a hard worker my whole life. And so I still have everything that I've built up until that point 15 months ago, right? I have my family, I'm married. My husband and I have been married for, actually we'll be celebrating our 13 year anniversary here. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. I have a nine-year-old daughter. I have a seven-year-old son. Um, You know, we've built an amazing family. I I have my half-sister who we share a mother. And then I also have my cousin brothers who um, my aunt and uncle's kids. And so I think, you know, having that community and just in having that and not only that, but friendships, lifetime friendships, I'm so blessed. So to not get lost in what, what the negative, you know, what negative things have come out of this, but uh-huh. trying to really focus on those positive things, those things they already had, even before I met my, my biological father, 
but then also to focus on the, you know, um, the relationship that I get to build with my biological father and my two aunts that live in Minneapolis and my grandmother that lives here for half of the year and then goes down to Texas. <laughs> and enjoys the I don't nice blame her. Weather. <laughs> yeah. But, um, to really focus on those good things. And then on the days when I can't to reach out to my community, whether it's listening to a podcast um, that, that you've had a guest on and being able to relate to somebody that way that, you know, those harder things are a part of my story, but I'm not going to let them define me. I'm, I'm not going to let that hold me back. And so mm. in those times of darkness, you know, reaching out, saying a prayer, and reaching out to a community of people that I know can help me is just so important. Yeah. That's incredible. Final thought for today's episode, and that is who or what are you grateful for today? I would say my husband. <laughs> um, I met my husband when I was 19 years old, uh, and we dated and then got married and I met him at a time in my life where I could have taken a road um, to destruction or taken a road to success. Mm -hmm. And I think he really encouraged me to choose the path of righteousness in a way, um, just from his background and where he came from. I think it was, he's just been the rock in my life when there are those days when I'm losing my sense of self and I'm feeling like an orphan or, you know, letting those stereotypes get to me. He's the one to remind me of how far I've come and mm. to remind me of this beautiful life that we do have. So mm -hmm. yes, I am thankful for him That's amazing. <laughs> and your podcast. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Zoe, how do people stay in touch with you? How do people find you and what are some of the things that you may have coming up on your calendar that people can become a part of? Absolutely. Thank you, Alug, for asking that. Um, Google Zoe, Z-O-E Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, DNA, and you will find the whole story. Um, lots of laughs and tears on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And um, I do have a new video coming out and I I don't upload very often, but there's one coming out soon. So go ahead and keep your eyes peeled for that as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being a guest and thank you for reaching out to us. I know that for us, you know, we, I, I'm grateful for people like yourself and also Michelle, who we spoke of a little bit prior to the show and just her ability to, I think, connect certain people. And it was really through her platform that I was able to come across your story and the next thing that comes came to my mind and this is just who I am is you know I, I need to learn about Zoe's experience to help other people who might be going through similar things and so I appreciate you being on the show oh I appreciate being here thank you so much for inviting me Alug. absolutely Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our weekly newsletter so you can receive all of our latest episodes, information on our upcoming events, and ways you can be involved with Overcoming Odds. Also, if you like what you heard, 
please consider leaving us a review or giving us feedback on any of the future guests that you would like to hear from on the show. Once again, thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week.